This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Hello, everyone. This is Craig Patterson. I'm the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider, and I'm joined here today with Daryl Julot. He's the managing lead at Digital Main Street. I think I got that correct, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So today, or this week, I should say, is Small Business Week, which is part of Small Business Month. Uh, and <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, issues, struggles, and uh, opportunities for uh, small businesses in Canada right now. This is a, a challenging time. We've obviously uh, got a COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which is which had led to some um, store closures uh, in the spring and then into the summer. Now we've had a situation in Ontario where uh, dining rooms that are uh, inside have been shut down, but we have patios outside. So uh, this is uh, a very unique time in our history that uh, we well, we don't know where it's going right now. So uh, tell me a little bit about um, what's happening with uh, Small Business Week, first of all, uh, from your perspective, Daryl. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's interesting because it's actually Small Business Week within Small Business Month. So the whole month is a celebration of small business um, with the focus on this week specifically. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's really hard to describe because it's not just, it's not one thing or the other. Um, you know, it's not like any of the programming that we run or anything like that is, you know, is only done during this week or anything like that. I think there's an added lens on, you know, the importance of small business, you know, on a yearly basis, but especially, you know, in, in 2020, given everything that's going on to your point, Craig. Um, but I think that being said, I think there's been a lot of great stuff that's happened over the course of the year that uh, would play into, you know, kind of almost extending the, the nature of what Small Business Week is. Yeah, and, and small businesses are, in, in many ways, you know, big companies, we've obviously seen filing going bankrupt and whatnot, but small businesses have certainly struggled, I think, during this time. Oh, absolutely. And it's 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 everything you can imagine, right? There's, there's the issue with rent, there's the issue with the wage subsidy, um, you know, there's trying to access some of those programs. So, you know, there's a lot of hoopla at the beginning around eligibility and criteria, and, you know, some people didn't make it because of this, and then, you know, there was some some conversation around, you know, because certain businesses chose to stay open, they weren't eligible for other programs and, and so forth. So there's a lot of dealing with that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, this is what I tell my team every day. These small business owners, um, first and foremost, are, are people. And, and they're dealing with a lot more than just their business, right? You know, now they're dealing with, you know, trying to potentially work from home or work with less staff. Um, or, you know, something as simple as, you know, what happens if their kid gets a runny nose at school? And they've got to, you know, run, run you know, they've just got to run out the door and, that's that's number one priority, right? Obviously, um, so it's just it's a very it's it's a very tumultuous time for small businesses, but it's also a very stressful time for small business owners, just because you're kind of compounding, you know, the the life issues I'll call them with the business issues, um, and then like you know if, if you want to kind of go into the realm of ridiculous, uh, now this this issue of business insurance is coming up over the last few weeks, um, where you're seeing a lot of small restaurants um, that are complaining because they're either not getting renewed insurance policies from their providers or they're getting them at such a premium that it literally doesn't make sense. Um, You know, we've seen, you know, we've talked to some restaurants on Queen street where their insurance is going from, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year and, and, you know, they're, they're pitching them a a policy renewal at $30,000 a year. Totally. Um, So, so yeah. So on top of everything, it just, it seems like it's one thing after the other where it just keeps on coming. But um, you know, one of the, the, the character traits, I guess, of small businesses and entrepreneurs is resiliency. And I think we're seeing it now more than ever. Yeah, because this is a situation where costs are going up when revenue may be going down. Oh, absolutely. it is. Um, um, whether you're uh, a restaurant where you can only have certain people on a patio or whether you're a clothing store where people just don't want to go inside, um, whatever it is, revenue is definitely down across the board. 
Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the only, the only way to kind of offset that is to cut costs, but then by cutting costs, you know, you're cutting staff time and you're putting more emphasis on, you know, you being at the store, you being there. And it just is, you know, you can cut costs, but you're adding pressure. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's a very, very difficult balance right now. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I, I guess one issue to compound things as well is uh, we had mass closures in in the spring, starting in March. Uh, you know, obviously, the restaurant situation is still a challenge. Uh, some of these businesses didn't have much, or in some cases, any online presence. Uh, no, not at all. Um, and, and that's really you know where you've seen a lot of the the unfortunate impact of COVID is a lot of the businesses that we would refer to as like our our neighborhood staples. You know, the ones that have been there for 25, 30 years and have always relied on the neighborhood and the foot traffic and, and people coming in and out. Um, and, you know, would always tell you they're doing great. Um, and, and, you know, we're always full transparency, a little hesitant to change just because things mm-hmm. have been working so effectively for them. Right. Um, but I, I think, you know, the what, what you know, this whole ordeal with COVID has shown us is that the importance of digital and, you know, having an online presence for you know any business, but specifically a small business is, is more important than ever. Um, we have a quote from one of our business owners and I don't have it handy, so I'm not going to be, you know, repeating it exactly, but essentially, you know, um, customers can now engage with you 24 seven. Well, they have been able to for a while, but, um, you know, you need to be able to, to talk to them, engage them, transact with them, um, in some way, shape or form at any time of the day, any day of the week. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be sitting there either at your store behind a computer, but if they can't, you know, find you online, if they can't, you know, interact with your website or interact with you on social media. Or, you know, something as simple, you know, taking it a step back to their Google My Business listings, you know, making sure the hours are correct, especially in a time like COVID where almost weekly it's changing, right? Uh-huh. Um, so there's just so many small things that go into it, but you're absolutely right. A lot of businesses did not have an online presence, and that's really what we've been striving to uh, to kind of push forward. Yeah, so Digital Main Street started, um, businesses could apply for, I think it was a grant to uh, um, create uh, a website. Yeah, so it actually, if you want to talk about the genesis, it actually started, um, uh, I guess, you know, idea phase, we're talking about six years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, got to give credit where credit is due. So, you know, there's there's a couple of key individuals that, you know, are really responsible for that. So the first is um, John Crew. So he's the executive director of Tabia, which is the Toronto Association of Business Improvement Areas. Um, he was really one of the driving forces behind it, um, kind of drew out what digital Main Street the concept was on a bar napkin, believe it or not. Um, and we yeah. actually, we still have that napkin. It's pretty funny to look back on. Um, <laughs> and then you have Chris Rickett, um, who, who was formerly with the city of Toronto economic development, as well as Nirvana champion, uh, formerly with the city of Toronto economic development. And then the rest of the city of Toronto's ec- economic development <laughs> staff, you've got Mike major, Mike Williams, and that entire office, um, really, really supportive And without them. There isn't a program. And the reason I mentioned that is when we launched back in June of 2016, officially, we were only in Toronto. We were, we're a very, very hyper-local digital transformation support program for Toronto's BIA businesses. Um, and at that time, it was myself and one other colleague. And, you know, now, um, as of, you know, kind of today, October 19th, we're, you know, right across Ontario. Um, we've got a presence in about 400 municipalities in Ontario. We've got business representation in every province in the country. We have a team running Digital Main Street in the States. Um, and we're in the process of exploring expansion, um, still very much in the early discovery phase, but, uh, uh, you know, to South America and as far as Australia. Holy cow. That's, that's incredible. It's, I, I think, you know, we've really, we've really struck a nerve with, with how it's, I, cause I always say it's not what we do, it's how we do it. 
So, you know, there's, there's lots of folks out there that, you know, provide digital support. There's agencies that will help you build a website. There's, there's lots of great resources out there. But, you know, the, the thing that stands out for us is to be able to engage today, you know, just north of 35,000 businesses in one way, shape or form and have never charged a business a single dollar. That's the important part for us. Um, and, and we've been very cognizant to build the entire program and platform around the business as that end user and make sure that everything we do drives back to them and drives value to them. And that's really what separates us from a brand perspective. And then, so the websites, I think, were created as a partnership with Shopify. Uh, yeah, so we, we've got a, a partnership with, so we've got essentially eight corporate partners right now, um, mm-hmm. four of which were our founding partners. So that's Google, MasterCard, Microsoft, and Shopify. So they've been with us for the last uh, five years now. They, they helped found the program. Again, i got to give them credit where credit's due. Without them, there is no program. Um, and in the last, you know, six months, we've been able to bring on another four partners. Um, and it's just, it was, it was right time, right place. And, you know, we felt really, really good about the relationships and the value that these firms would bring to the small businesses that we support. And those are Intuit QuickBooks, uh, Facebook, Square, and Yellow Pages. So really looking at just having, you know, a, a well-rounded group of partners that, you know, play in any space um, and are industry leaders in their space. Um, but what we've also done, because, you know, we understand that as small business owners, you oftentimes will want to support another small business owner, i.e. a market agency or a local developer or somebody like that. We also have a fully open sourced vendor directory. Um, and as of right now, we're closing in on about 1,200 vendors across Canada, the vast majority of those in Ontario. Wow. But um, yeah, so if a business is looking, you know, to, to find a website builder in Thunder Bay, Ontario, um, then they can go on and they can find one and they can choose to, to reach out and potentially engage them for a service. So we do try and, and really cater to that hyper-local element um, and, and wanting to ensure that, you know, we're supporting local businesses um, at that hyper-local level, but also, you know, in theory, having those businesses then support localized vendors. That is excellent. So the expansion, it's across the country in Canada. Um, you were mentioning United States, but would we say major markets across the country would have it now in Canada? Uh, um, no, not yet. Not yet. Um, very, very shortly. Um, so, so we recently expanded, so we, we went through a, a provincial project, um, from about 2018 till now. And then we recently just re-expanded the program, um, in June of this year through a partnership with the federal government and FedDev Ontario, um, and the province mm-hmm. of Ontario through the ministry of economic development, job creation and trade. Yep. And, um, so that was a significant investment. That was a total investment of $57 million. Nice. And, and what that allowed us to do was really expand and create programming to the point where we had three core support programs. So at this point in Ontario, um, and again, I stress Ontario, I know I know we've got a lot of listeners from across the country, but um, we are working diligently on expansion um, and would be happy to talk to anyone about that. But in Ontario, currently, we really, um, we run a, a grant program, as you referenced, Craig. So it's a, a program predicated on a business taking a training course and then applying for grant funding. Um, so there is that educational component to tie into kind of the, the thematic you know, way we do things. Um, yep. And then they can receive $2,500 to invest in digital transformation for their business. So hardware, software, um, you know, a new loyalty program, new point of sale system, um, you know, some marketing dollars, um, really whatever it is that makes sense for their business at that time. And then along with that, we've got um, a program that we launched as part of this provincial and federal expansion called Future Proof. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really exciting program. And I'm really excited to see what comes of it. Um, what we're basically going to be doing right across Ontario is sourcing potential pilot projects that help us reimagine what the future of Main Street is. Hmm. So understanding, and I think something we're going to talk about shortly, but understanding you know, how drastically different you know, our Main Street is right now 
from six months ago, from a year ago, you know, what can we do to help kind of reimagine what that's going to look like from a customer engagement standpoint, from a data, you know, and an analytics standpoint, apologies, um, from a, you know, a retail mix standpoint, from a recruitment standpoint, like just all of the above. Um, so we've got some really, really interesting projects that are coming through the pipeline on that and um, just really, really excited to see what comes. And then the last one, which is is the biggest one, which everyone I think has probably seen is our, our Shop Here Powered by Google program. Yep. And that was that was our response to COVID back in May. So we really wanted to, it became very clear that, that e-commerce was going to become an absolute certainty, especially for direct-to-consumer, you know, product-based businesses. Yep. Um, and, you know, we needed to find a way to get these businesses online as soon as possible. So we created the Shop Here program um, initially in May um, as, as, you know, kind of just a crazy idea that we spun up in less than two weeks. And the idea was, you know, how do we build as many stores for Toronto-based businesses as possible? And so we launched that. And what we actually did with the initial piece, and this just goes to show you, you know, how incredible the market can be when you want to support small business. We, um, we initially launched a program, Craig, with not a lot of funding. So when we were trying to figure out how we were going to source talent and developers and stuff to help us build these websites for businesses, we actually, we worked together, um, Digital Main Street, Tabby and the City of Toronto, to put a call out to the Toronto technology ecosystem. Mm. And so what we did is basically put out a call for help. And we said, like, we've got this crazy idea and, you know, we want to continue this mission of helping as many small businesses as we can. We need your help. And within 48 hours, we had over 800 volunteers. <laughs> wow. Um, which was really, really cool. And, and, you know, we had, you know, volunteers from large firms like Scotiabank all the way down to individual, you know, computer science students wow. um, that, you know, just did fantastic work and were, you know, really the catalyst in helping us get this going. And, you know, days after we started, you know, kind of just testing the project out in Toronto, um, Google came forward and, and, you know, was, was very supportive in the project. They've been a great partner for years. Um, and they really wanted to help us grow it both across Ontario, but Canada as well. And, um, they made a significant investment in the program. Um, and, and that's why the program's shop here powered by Google, but we've been really working to just, you know, build as many sites as we can for businesses. Um, I think as of today, we've had about 7,500 businesses apply for the program. Wow. So we're seeing some great traction and, uh, really just, just continuing to work on that. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite fascinating because we've been able to build a very unique intersection of small business digital support, but also youth employment. Mm-hmm. So through those three programs, I mentioned the grant program, the future group program, and the shop here program, we've created over a thousand um, co-op, you know, youth, new grad job opportunities. Wow. Um, in a time where, you know, obviously employment is, is, is very hard to come by, um, but also specifically for youth, you know, looking at co-ops and, and, you know, the market for co-op and work integrated learning and stuff like that. So that's something we're very proud of, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been a really great learning experience. Um, it's, it's been a bit of a blur the last six months, I won't lie, but um, <laughs> just, just being able to help as many businesses as we can and, and, you know, really see some cool stuff come out of it. You know, we, we've got a, a little uh, pottery shop out in Wawa, Ontario, um, and it's a full-time teacher who was able to turn her side hobby into a full-time business because she does incredible work. And all we did was help her set up the channel to, to sell it and show it to people. Um, you know, we've got a, uh, uh, a really cool company out of Toronto that does, you know, custom pinatas. Oh yeah. Um, like I could literally send them a picture of you right now and they're going to make a pinata of Craig Patterson. <laughs> well, I probably deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's just like, so we're seeing some really, really unique ideas, but we're also just seeing some really great business stories come out. Um, and I think that's been the coolest part. Yeah. Oh, that's commendable. I mean, you're doing good at a time when, well, the industry needs it, right? Or I guess entire business world needs it, especially small businesses. No, that, that, that is really awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we, we just finished, uh, 
Amazon Prime, well, they call it, call it Prime Day. It's basically a two-day type of thing. Um, I mean, that's sort of the elephant in the room in a lot of respects is, is you know, some businesses have blamed Amazon for some challenges uh, right now. But uh, um, what do you think small businesses can do to uh, compete against Amazon? Like, what, Tell me a little bit about what you think about the dynamic there. Yes, well, so it's interesting. And, and you know what, I've, I've gotten in trouble for my thoughts on Amazon and small business before, so I'm going to try and be careful here. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I gave a presentation about four years ago. And I, I, I called it, and, and again, the title was meant to be a bit of fear-mongering, but also this is my genuine thought, was the title of the presentation was Amazon's not the problem, you are. Mm-hmm. And, and my whole kind of you know, thesis with that presentation was that, yes, Amazon is a problem for all of us. Amazon's a problem for Walmart. It's a problem for the guy that I bought you know, my shirt off of you know, just down the street from me last week. It's a problem for everyone. But as a small business owner, if you can't show me or anyone that you've put yourself in the best position... So you've made all the steps to digitally transform yourself and engage your customers in new ways and really create that unique experience and do all these things that you know you should do. You can't just default to saying Amazon is a problem. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the whole point of that. Now, you know, I've, I figured out that I can get that message across with a, a slightly less aggressive title. But um, no, and then when it comes to Amazon, it's I've got some very strong feelings about this, Craig, as we've discussed in the past. But I, um, I, I, I stand by this wholeheartedly. I think small business has had has right now and will continue to have an advantage that Amazon will never have, ever. Mm-hmm. And that's the ability to build true, authentic customer relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you look at Amazon, you know, whether it's, you know, me ordering toilet paper from them or, you know, you ordering a, a new microphone for your podcast or whatever it may be, um, we're not doing it because we love the brand. You know, you're yeah. not, not going to go wear a, a golf shirt with the Amazon logo on it or, you know, you're not going to willingly be happy that you put more money in Jeff Bezos' already weighted down pockets, right? Um <laughs> There, there's really no customer relationship there. You know, yeah. people are buying based on, you know, convenience, price, and just ease, really, at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, now, now that people, from a consumer standpoint, are actually making that shift, you know, where we really are now seeing, and this is, this is why I think it's the most important time for small business, we really are seeing a conscious shift in consumer behavior to support local small business. Mm-hmm. So now the message isn't like, you know, hey, you got to compete with Amazon. Now the message is like, listen, these people are already looking for you. Now you just got to make it easy for them. And you've got to allow yeah. them to find you and engage with you and just kind of, you know, make it make it really easy, right? Um, and that's a good place for a small business to be in. I, I was reading something, I think they said for the uh, December holiday uh, shopping season, uh, 76% of Canadians they pulled were saying that they wanted to shop local, which I think is yeah. very encouraging. Exactly. And, and again, like, I don't get me wrong. I don't think this this one potential advantage we're talking about outweighs any of the negatives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a very bleak time for small business owners. They're still dealing with way more than they should be. But I think, you know, if, if we're going to try and find any silver lining in all of this, it's, you know, the consumer is making that conscious shift and small business owners are now in a better position than ever to capitalize on that ability to build true relationships with the customers. Um, you know, because whatever clothing store you look at, um, you know, whether it's it's a clothing boutique I talk about, Craig Downs, but I that I go into all the time, or, you know, your favorite store up in Yorkville, whatever. Um, you know, you're going there because, you know, partly because of the product, but you're also going because when you walk in, you talk to the same people and the experience is the same. And it's just, there, there's a relationship there, right? Yeah. Um, like, I'm sure if we took a straw poll right now and said, you know, if you can buy the exact same product for the exact same price, and the exact same delivery time from the store down the street instead of Amazon, would you do it? I guarantee every person on the planet would say yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I thought about that the moment you asked it and I'm like, well, yeah, of course I go support, yeah. you know, my friends down the street that have a store that I have to go pick up a jacket tomorrow that I bought. But, <laughs> I just had to fix a fix a button. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's funny. Cause like, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I lead digital main street my whole life and 
you know, my career to this point has been supporting small business. And even I buy from Amazon at times, but a lot of it is just from, it's, it's a means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night and you realize, oh shit, I need an extension cord and I need it here tomorrow, right? Um, yep. Or something like that. So it, it's, it's really focused on that. But that's, so that's what we've been really working with small businesses on is how do we get them to buy into this idea that they are going to be able to take advantage of this opportunity and how do they position themselves to take advantage of that opportunity? It's really funny because I was on a call with a small business owner today and I was, I was trying to make a lot of these same points and I was just trying to think of a way to articulate it to her. And I, I, please don't ask me why I came up with this idea. I really don't, I'm not saying I don't want to tell you the answer. I genuinely have no answer, but I explained it to her like, like picture, like a where, remember the where's Waldo books. Yep. So if you open up one of those pages in the where's Waldo book, it's just chaos, right? Yeah. And I said to her, basically picture one of those pages. I said, that's, that's your customer. That's what they're looking at right now. when they're trying to find you, right? Whether you know mm-hmm. it or not, there's chaos all around them. They might find somebody that looks like you. They might give up and just say, screw it. I'm going to go with this person or that person. They might just get frustrated and not do anything. Right? Yeah. And, and the way I kind of describe it to her is there's no science behind this, but every time you, you do a little bit more to put yourself in that position, you know, maybe you really step up your social and your digital game, or maybe, you know, you do implement a loyalty program or whatever it might be. Now, essentially what happens is that goes from a full page, you know, an eight and a half by 11 or whatever to the bottom corner of the page. Mm-hmm. And it just allows you, you know what I mean? It allows your customer to just find you that much easier. Um, and we're just kind of talking to her about that. And as soon as we started having that conversation, she was just, she started riffing off all these ideas around like, you know, how she could do some of these things, how she wanted to engage her customers and this and that. And it was just, it was really great to see because like I said, I stressed earlier on when we were talking, you know, resiliency. I, I think if you were going to describe small business owners in one word, that's the word. Um, there absolutely is no quit in these, these entrepreneurs. There is, there's nothing but, you know, respect and admiration that, that they deserve for, you know, what they're putting up with and the work that they continue to put in and just, um, the, the fight that they continue to put up. Um, especially, you know, when you look at things like going through the first lockdown, then getting back open and just catching up steam. And then now the, the modified lockdown in certain areas, like it's, it's, you know, both an emotional, but also practical roller coaster ride. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, you thought everything was good. Now all of a sudden you're being told you got shut down for a moment. Yeah. God. And hopefully that resilience can lead to, uh, you know, like I, I know that some businesses have been dissolved, you know, mm-hmm. have gone away and whatnot. Uh, one thing I thought, you know, if a chef is a chef, right. You know, they, they may have had a restaurant if it didn't make it through this round, you know, of, of things that are happening, you know, they, they may very well, you know, come up and do something else, whatever that could be. They might, you know, food truck, they might move into a food hall at, you know, square one at Mississauga or something, you know, there's different, different opportunities out there as well. And uh, um, that, that probably would be a bit of an advantage for a small business versus, you know, a company with thousands of employees. I mean, it's harder to pivot and do stuff when you're huge, right? Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned the service industry because that's one that's been impacted, you know, you know, I don't know what the scale is, but significantly more than certain <laughs> industries. Um, and, you know, again, just kind of calling out and giving credit where credit is due. It was, you know, John Crew and Tabia plus, you know, Mayor John Tory in his office and, and MPP Adam Vaughn and some of our BIAs, they collaborated on an event this morning that was led by the mayor, but had some federal ministers and stuff on it, um, really looking at, it was a hospitality summit. So looking at, you know, hotels, restaurants, um, you know, live theater, all of that, and how those businesses have been affected, both small and large. Um, and it's, 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 it's quite disturbing. Um, you know, just the, the level to what they've been decimated and, you know, what they need to kind of come back even just to break even. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the conversation was really around the discrepancy in terms of, you know, who and how much they've been affected and how, you know, the response needs to reflect that, right? Um, it yeah. can't just be a standard blanket response and, you know, it's going to impact everyone the same because, you know, if you've impact, been impacted, you know, 10x what somebody else has, 
then the same stimulus response package or whatever we want to call it isn't going to have the same impact for you that it would for that other individual. So that was a very fascinating one. Another concept that's coming up right now, actually, and we've seen it pop up a few times around the city, um, and I think it's going to continue to pop up, is this idea of the, the ghost kitchen, Craig. Yeah. So looking at, you know, facilities that, you know, are, are purely just takeout and allow you to have, you know, multiple, you know, multiple restaurants almost within one, right? Yeah. Um, so, you're, you know, you're talking about that single or, you know, two-person restaurant, you know, where now the chef and everyone is, is switching over, like those, those are starting to gain popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you talk about another challenge, which has been all over the news lately, and that's the, the third-party delivery apps and their fees, right? Yeah. Like what, 25% sometimes it's, I think it is? It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like even from a consumer standpoint, it's getting out of hand now. Like I was playing around on the app this weekend, just like I didn't order anything because I had food in my house, but I was just playing around and, you know, like, like a standard meal for one person can be $25 by the time you factor in, you know, all of the fees. And it's just like, okay, like at what point is the consumer also going to get smart enough to realize they're getting ripped off? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I could probably get it at half that price walking across the street. I'm yeah. lucky cause I live in a high density area, but yeah. 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 Um, no, it's just, it's a, it, it's, it's a crazy time, especially coming oh, into the holiday God. season. And it seems like things are accelerating because you, you mentioned, uh, um, you know, d- delivery. I mean, I mean, I, I think the future is more online retail. I, I don't think physical is going to go away entirely by any means. I think that people still seek out physical experiences for certain things. People want to see it with their own eyes as opposed to doing it all online. But um, I, 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 I mean, one thing I, I've been told and heard and observed is that, you know, we've seen an acceleration of things because of COVID-19. I mean, I don't think curbside pickup was a huge priority for most retailers uh, before this all happened and it became a necessity. Yep. Uh, same thing with digital main street, you know, getting retailers and other businesses online. Uh, we already obviously had a situation where we had many businesses that were online, but uh, a lot of the mom and pops were not, you know, um, little corner convenience store probably would have saw little to no use for website other than maybe to have a presence on Google and to, you know, show that they're there, but they're, they're not going to be selling stuff as a transactional website. Um, no, it's, it's really interesting to see what's happening here in terms of we are moving into the future a little bit more. And I, I think the future is doing more stuff online, uh, whether or not you're shopping on Instagram, on your uh, phone. And <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if some small businesses would be able to get in on that a bit more. Cause I, I see a few, well, it's weird. Uh, I, you know, I go on Instagram probably more than I should. And it's just flipping through stuff. Cause you actually, I get some pretty good information about retail off of Instagram, but um, you know, I'm getting ads for things like Bijan of Beverly Hills, a very, very high end brand, or at least it used to be a, wondering about them selling on Instagram or the way they're doing it. Cause you know, considered one of the world's top brands with uh, you know, extremely expensive stuff. I think it was like $8,000 suit coats in the 1980s. If I remember watching on TV as a kid uh, selling on Instagram, but smaller businesses, uh, uh, you know, probably would make sense to get in front of their, uh, I don't know if there's a way to geolocate. I mean, that's, that's probably another whole conversation altogether. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, but, but there's some interesting stuff happening, Craig. Like, so Facebook just brought Facebook shop to Canada. Finally, you, know, ah. you can shop right from Facebook. And then uh, another one that was just announced, I think last week, Google um, is making in Canada all of their, you know, how they have the products at the top of searches now. Yep. Um, they're actually making those and dedicating those to small businesses. Oh, geez. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Because I was searching for, um, I, I do image searches for stuff with Retail Insider. And yeah, I've noticed all kinds of different retail listings. I'll have to check on that in terms of local because I saw a couple already that were up there today. I was searching for an image of, think of a Hudson Bay store or something, but it's started populating some non Hudson Bay and they, they were smaller retailers. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's going to continue to happen. Right. And that's, that's, what's really cool is you're starting to see, like I said, not only just the consumership, but you're starting to see 
you know, with a lot of these big brands and, you know, big organizations and agencies, you know, really buy into this, this concept of let's support and save local. Um, you know, yeah. let's make sure we've got a main street to come back to. Right. Oh, absolutely. And one of those things that I, I've been doing, I give talks here and there and, uh, you know, I've always ended them with saying, yeah, this is a really tough time for a lot of people uh, personally and in business, but stay strong. I mean, I, th I think that that's important to keep in mind as well is that, you know, we are going to be here in the future. Life is going to go on. Um, we don't know how much things are going to change. We don't know if there's going to be a vaccine that's going to be effective or not. Uh, I think there are a lot of question marks out there, but the fact is humanity is going to move into the future. We are still going to have businesses because we're a consumer society. I mean, a huge percentage of our GDP is based on consumption and we are going to be a society that's going to, you know, move into the future and, and we're going to keep shopping and however that's going to happen. <laughs> but, but I think having a strength is going to be important there too, having a tenacity and, and realizing that, you know, we can get through this. Well, you know, in some cases, even if a business goes under this time, that entrepreneur may, you know, launch something else. Yeah. And then I think the hope in a lot of this too, and again, you know, trying to kind of pull some silver lining and, and glean, you know, a little bit of hope from this is that some of the major issues that have plagued some of our, you know, larger city centers like Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, et cetera. Um, you know, things like, you know, the, the, the increase in commercial rent um, and stuff like that. And then, you know, the increase in the property tax, you know, valuations and stuff like that. Like these are all issues that are now becoming, you know, they're, they're not just moving up the list. They're going to the top of the list. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the hope is that, you know, uh, again, obviously this isn't a good thing that this is happening right now, but, you know, maybe, you know, some good can come up with these issues finally being addressed in a meaningful way that's going to impact and, and support small business. One thing, one thing that I, I noticed as well, I, I did some research into the history of retail and, and brands. And, and one thing that we found with various things, we're going back about 100 years because we don't want to go back thousands of years. But, you know, after World War II, we saw, you know, brands like Yves Saint Laurent and Christian Dior coming about with new designs. And it seems like we've seen sort of an old guard fall and a new I guess, new brands coming to fruition and becoming successful. Uh, this, I think, is something that we're going to see with COVID-19 as we look five years into the future. We may be wearing brands that we've never heard of, and they may be quite popular, and they would have started off as a small business, yeah. obviously. Every, every business, in theory, starts off as a small business. Even McDonald's started with one location, <laughs> right? Um, I just watched that movie, The Founder, again the other day. It's a, yeah. it's a great movie, terrible story, though. Oh, no. Feel, feel, it's feel a, it's bad. It's a real estate play. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that, and that's the thing though, is that, you know, small businesses and, you know, not a ton of them, but you know, some can become large businesses and uh, you know, sometimes things like this just shake things up. And I think that, you know, we'll be wearing brands, like I said, and, you know, eating food at concepts that we, you know, may not exist at this point, but are being developed right now or, or are to be. Yeah. And I think, you know what, uh, the other thing I think has been, you know, expedited we'll call it craig and this is getting a little away from the small guys but you know it's going to impact the small guys is you know when we look at the shift from you know some of the top tier brands pulling out and just going you know purely d to c right yep um I, I think we've seen some of the impact of you know nike's movements in the states on that i think you're going to continue to see it up here um yes. but again i think that's going to force you know creativity um obviously craig you know me i'm a big big sneaker guy some of our some of the stores that we've talked about have closed down already in toronto unfortunately um, and that's just, you know, the nature of, of what's going on. Right. But I think, you know, there's always going to be an appetite for things. The big piece that, that concerns me. Um, and again, I think a lot of, you know, this will have to do with, you know, how a vaccine comes out, how effective it is, you know, what all that, but I'm like, like the biggest concern for me is consumer confidence. Mm -hmm. And like, at what point is that, you know, is that standard consumer 
going to be confident enough to kind of go out and resume their their lives like it normally is, right? It's it's amazing yeah. now when you when you think about how much. And I'm not saying we took for granted the fact that we could go for meetings and stuff like this, but you know, your office, you know, you're up in you're up in Yorkville, you know, the digital Main Street offices, Queen and Nine in Toronto, and you know, the amount of times just walk down the street to, to go to a meeting at City Hall, or you know, I'd, I'd walk up to meet you for a meeting or something like that. And it's just like it's it's amazing how fast things have changed. Um, yeah. And again, I, you know, without getting too far off topic here, I think the other area that's been just, just absolutely decimated is the, the food courts. Oh, yeah, food courts. Uh, you know, at some point, those spaces might have to be repurposed, just depending on, you know, what the future is of vaccine and yeah. whatever. But I, I think some of them, like I think Union Station in Toronto will be okay, because it's, you know, it's, it's open, you've got a lot of cross through travel. Like, you know, you, it might not be as profitable as it once was, but I think they'll survive. But some of these ones mm-hmm. that are reliant on the office towers where you've had most of the tenants already say they're not coming back and stuff. Yep. Um, and again, a lot of them, a lot of them in the office towers tend to be small businesses too, right? One-off mm-hmm. shops or specialty coffee shops or whatever it is. So we've we've worked with a lot of those businesses to try and help them pivot their business model. But um, yeah, that's just it's it's that's been a really sad story. And it's going to be tough in places like the path and yep. in Toronto's uh, central business district, right? Or financial district, yes, we call it, where you know, we don't know when people are coming back. There, There is, you know, downtown Toronto has a big population, but I don't think the financial district has a localized population enough to support, well, 1,200 businesses down in the path. I don't think there's going to be enough support, you know, from, say, the 40,000 people that live within walking distance. I mean, that's not going to be a big enough market to support all of that retail. No, and the other thing, and maybe this is just the fact that small business is my, my day-to-day life now for, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day. But, like, I also think about, you know, when you talk about the path, I think about the fact that, you know, there's the traditional storefronts down there, but then you've got the guy who sets his business up, you know, in the path just underneath the Sheridan Center, and all he does is shine shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, that that business is gone now. You know, you've got the yeah. the little, you know, hole-in-the-wall kind of, you know, massage parlor for people that are traveling and just want a quick, you know, back massage before they catch their train or whatever. Like, that's probably gone. Um, yeah. So really just looking at, you know, not only just the storefronts, but also, you know, these solopreneurs and stuff and, and you know, people that are just really making a go of it. Um, that unfortunately, you know, just like you said, the traffic just isn't there. Oh, oh well, it's good. It's, I think it's gonna be a tough uh, while here, but uh, you know, businesses can get through it. Be be resilient. Uh, <clears throat> you know, talk to others, collaborate where you can. I mean, where one, one thing I thought was interesting is we're starting to see retailers uh, almost shack up with other retailers or other concepts. You'll see a, a you know, a butcher uh, partner with a bakery, uh, maybe take, you know, space in the same uh, building or retail space, whatnot. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see what's happening. So and it'll be interesting to keep watching what's going to happen in the future, I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a transformational time, um, you know, good, bad or indifferent. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think, you know, and then I talked about this when I mentioned the future proof program. I think the future of Main Street is going to change drastically. I think, you know, mm-hmm. the way that these stores engage your customers, the way that they bring customers to Main Street. You know, the way that you look at things like economic development um, or you look at, you know, kind of the fundamental role of the BIA now, you know, you're starting to see these things shift, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it's going to continue to happen. But uh, I, I, to your point, Craig, I don't think there's much we can do at this point than just, you know, continuing to fight the good fight. And just see, uh, you know, see what we can do and help as many as we can. Oh, you bet. And uh, I guess one of the benefits to having a street front store, uh, I was talking to a broker who uh, used to work for a big retailer. He's on his own now doing consulting, but he said, uh, um, well, you can fulfill an online order through your store 24 hours a day. You know, with a shopping mall, you can't walk in at three in the morning. I don't know who's doing that anyways, but, you know, fulfilling an order, uh, you know, in a shopping mall store is going to not be a, probably a 24 hour experience unless they have an external door. And even then that's questionable. But 
um, you know, have, having that, uh, you know, a standalone space on a street, I think has some advantages too. So yeah. uh, it's, it's a matter of uh, taking advantage of those advantages and those opportunities to, uh, you know, fulfill an order through uh, online, uh, you know, and we'll see what the future of physical uh, interactions are, I guess we'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit it on the head. I don't think I could have said yeah. it better myself. Is there anything else you want to uh, mention before we sign off here? I, I mean, Craig, you know me, me and you could talk for the next two hours and just, just keep going, right? Um, <laughs> no, I, I suspect we'll probably be back in conversation, if not later this week, early next week, to continue the thread. But um, I, I think for today, no, that's great. I just want to thank you again for the work that you're doing, you know, specifically for the retail industry, but also um, just, you know, for having me on and allowing me to, to chop it up for a bit with you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for everything that you and everyone else is doing with Digital Main Street and Tavia and the whole group because it's such a massive effort that I'm just going to give a blanket thank you because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to name all of them you know all the partners because there's so many of them but this is this is great I mean and this is a great example of a positive initiative coming out of uh, a situation which could have been much more tragic I would I think we would say so yeah no thank you so much for that this is you know it's a silver lining it's learning experiences for everyone and, and you know we'll see where things go from here but uh, i am optimistic i mean i'm also a little bit pessimistic about certain things which i'm not normally like that but um you know i i do think that there are many silver linings and i think that we are shifting towards uh, uh, a new future uh, which is hopefully going to be bright because uh, you know i guess it is what we make of it and uh, we'll just do our best doing that <laughs> sounds good so thank you so much again. I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider, and I'm here with uh, Daryl Julot. He's the managing lead of Digital Main Street. And that concludes our special edition podcast with Daryl Julot from Digital Main Street. And thank you to our listeners for being with us today. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, and we'd appreciate it if you left a review with your podcast provider to help others find us too. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning. And it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page, and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. So thanks everyone again. Hope you enjoyed and speak to you all next week. 